Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. I wonder who my competition is not going to be. I know it ain't going to be nobody up in here. They up in here. They up in here. Magnetic. F14. W. Organized campaign, I'm on my third route The album just dropped, I'm trying to get the word out Superhero theme music, Ron Sleep, walking, snoring The less rails for what was recorded My first stop was Sway in the morning Was written by Heather B. Toto was a fan since the real world on MTV now I MC, five fingers of death, couldn't chin check me Not before I had to get balls right, rehearsing Was asked about my upbringing, how long I've been working And Sway's hair rap, look bigger hand person Was rhyming like it was a wake up show, homie tough I got raps for days, gotta say something for Tony Touch My phone is gone, sorry, I can't talk right now I'm busy, traveling, making my rounds I sat down next on the schedule was static selector, sure already, yo Hey everybody, welcome back to YoMTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. And we had a really awesome time this weekend. Uh, we went to Oklahoma City uh, for a building demolition and a uh, restaurant tour. Um, and, and we did great. We did awesome at that. Um, we made it to the demolition. Um, it was really cool to watch. There's a lot of dust. The dust didn't even blow towards us, so that was a huge plus. So uh, we did really well there. Um, and then we had a lot of great food. We went to uh, Anchor Down Friday night, and we had corn dogs um, that were really good. And uh, and actually, we ordered so many corn dogs we had to have some for breakfast the next morning. Uh, they also had uh, hush puppies with. Uh, cheese curds and like some sort of dipping sauce. I don't even remember exactly what that was, uh, but that was super tasty. Um, and then Saturday night, we went to a place called Kitchen 324. And uh, in my opinion, that was the uh, highlight of the weekend. Um, they had, uh, there was a, it was a chicken strudel, the appetizer that, we split and it was just oh man it was so rich and so flavorful and delicious um and we had what are those peppers called steven shishito the shishito peppers that were seared with some dipping sauce those were fantastic i'd never had those before um and then i had a fried chicken pot pie and it was just it was pretty much exactly what it sounds like it had chunks of fried chicken in it and gravy Nice, uh, thick biscuit crust on top with a drumstick just shoved in the center of it. Uh, so you pull out the drumstick, eat the drumstick, and then eat the pot pie. Uh, that was amazing. And Stephen had some banging swordfish. That was just a really good place. Um, oh, and we had the Jonut! <laughs> I forgot about the Jonut. The Jonut was like a, uh, it was like a cronut, uh, but copyright. Dude, Copy- we're gonna get sued now. I know it's copyrighted apparently. So, uh, but it had like some like mint whipped cream on top and chocolate inside of it. That was fantastic. 
Um, and then Sunday morning, we went to Waffle Champion. Waffle Champion um, was uh, basically waffle sandwiches. So uh, one was a fried chicken waffle sandwich. Uh, then you can get the waffle sandwiches sweet or savory. We got that one sweet. Um, and then uh, we also got the pit ham with fried pickles and Dijon mustard. And that, to me, in my opinion, was the best one. And then uh, we were going to get one that was like grilled cheese with fried pepperonis. But Stephen had to try the lobster roll one. So mm-hmm. we ordered the lobster roll one, which I think, you know, I don't think that was a bad decision to try it. But it was weird. <laughs> we, we couldn't really get through it. I felt kind of bad leaving so much of that one on the table. But, uh. But it, it was it was it was different. It was beyond different. The look on your face was really funny when you first took a bite out of it. I was yeah, like, I was, just, I was like, I was not expecting that reaction. It was just <laughs> most of the time you're pretty game for like the weirder foods, you know. But it, just to see you go, hmm, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, and, all in uh, all, a good day two, though. That was a very successful day two. Yeah, day two was a huge success. And uh, and we even got some pizza on the way out at uh, Nuck's Wheelhouse. Uh, so that was pretty good, even though it was like, you know, there were slices on demand. So it wasn't like they made fancy stuff. But it was, you know, just some solid pizza. Uh, nice guys uh, gave me an employee discount, which is really nice. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> you work here? I was like, uh, no. He's like, I was going to give you a discount. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> So it was cool. Um, but, you know, overall, really successful weekend. Uh, so that was pretty much everything we did uh, this weekend um, in Oklahoma City. Was there anything else that uh, that happened that we should probably talk about? Mm, I think – No. I think some other people played some cards. I don't, I don't remember. I seem to remember a bunch of backpacks and, like, a bunch of tables in a room in a convention center. But what was that? Well, I didn't do it for that long, so it couldn't have been that important. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, okay. Fine. I guess we'll talk about it. Uh, we played in Grand Prix Oklahoma City this weekend as well. It's probably what you were tuning in to hear. But the food was so good. Let me just say something before we actually talk about the event we played in. I would like to apologize to the city of Oklahoma City for my um, lack of enthusiasm for visiting you this, uh, this past weekend. Uh, going into the weekend... I was like, oh boy, here we go, Oklahoma City. I'm like, let's let's bring some lunch meat, let's bring some bread, let's hole up in the room for the weekend, because there's nothing to see there. Last time we were there, we wound up eating at the same place twice, and we should just, you know, not expect it to be a good time, and just, you know, let's go play cards. And, man, I was so wrong about that place, I really was. I had a lot of fun in Oklahoma City. Like, I thought Oklahoma City was really cool, actually. You know, we spent we spent time walking uh, through the city to get to Waffle Champion, which I'm glad we walked because it was a good walk. 
on, on our walk to uh, Waffle Champion, uh, we actually came across the memorial for the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building uh, that was the uh, target of the Oklahoma City bombing 20 years ago. Um, and it just, you know, it was a really, like, kind of solemn sort of moment on the trip because I wasn't expecting to, to see that. You know, I just didn't know. Like, we were just walking and we're like, huh, what's this courtyard little thing? And then you were like, Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building. I was like, huh. And then we, like, went through and we saw the memorial. And the memorial, I don't know how long it's been there, but it is just a really touching uh, tribute. Uh, to the victims of that bombing, and uh, you know, so so so, you know, there were, there was a little uh, history in the trip, and there was really good food in the trip, and it was just it was a good trip. It was a damn good trip to Oklahoma City. Like I just wasn't expecting to have such a enriching experience in Oklahoma City. You know, it was good uh, outside of the tournament. You know, now. Inside of the tournament, I'm not going to say it was a different story altogether. Maybe for you. I mean, maybe you, you know, don't have very good feelings about uh, about your day. But, uh, I mean, I felt pretty good about my day overall, despite not making day two. Uh, my overall record was four and four. Um, and uh, it was an interesting day. I've actually got my opponents listed up here. So I had a buy. Um, round one, I play against Infect, or round two, rather, I play against Infect and I win. Uh, round three, I play against Texas Guild Mage, John Toon, uh, playing Merfolk. And it was actually a really great situation because, um, last week when I was testing at Wednesday Night Magic, I was playing against Joel, he was playing Affinity, and, uh, I had him at four life and I was at three life. And, um, I, I was like stuck on, I needed a, a, a white source or something. And so I draw a fetch land and I was like, oh, sweet. I was like, I have the land and I have the Boros charm to kill you. And he scoops up his cards and I scoop up my cards. As I'm scooping up my cards, I realize, wait a minute, I had to fetch for that shock land and I would have killed me. I totally couldn't have beat him just with this card. You know what I mean? Like, just with, with you know, by casting this card right then, I would have had to play the land tapped, you know? Um, so there was nothing I could do. Uh, but, I mean, I, I had the win, you know? Like, I got the win. He conceded when I showed him the cards. Um, and I didn't mean to do that to Joel. I didn't realize it till after. I didn't say anything to him at the time, because we'd already packed up the cards, and a win's a win, frankly, and I didn't also didn't want it to like, like rub it in, like, oh man, you totally could have beat me, but I got this. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't want to be like that. So, um, and I, but I, to be fair though, I did talk to him about it um, at Oklahoma City when I was explaining to him what happened in this situation in round three of Oklahoma city. Uh, and, and, you know, he obviously didn't care, but I was just like, I didn't want to say it at the time because I, I didn't even know it. I wasn't trying to do anything like, you know, mind trick. Like I wasn't trying to, it just happened that way. But then real, but then I realized, Oh my God, that's totally a way you can win. That is totally an out if you need it. So, 
against John. We're in game three. And um, he's at two life. And he goes, oh, man, a destructive revelry, revelry will kill me. My lands are like uh, Foundry, Foundry, Mountain. And I've got a spreading, seized stomping ground, right? So, um, show, I had the, I had the revelry in hand, but showing him the revelry without the lands to cast it would have been, you know, would have just been stupid in my opinion. I would have been like, well, this doesn't really do anything. So I draw a, um, I draw a wood of foothills and I go, oh, well I have, and I just totally did the same thing. I was like, well, I have the foothills. I have the uh, destructive revelry. And he looks and he goes, okay, I'm going to need you to cast it. And I was like, uh, and, I, and so I go, crack my fetch. All right. So he, he goes, I'm going to need you to cast it. And I crack my fetch when he says that. And I start looking through my deck and I kind of just under my breath go, uh, how about no? And I played a mountain past the turn and he killed me. But, um, so John Toon is, is not to say that, uh, Joel isn't a good player, you know, because he is. He's a very good player. But but John Toon, I knew that he was a better player than that. But I had my out. My out was to show him the card and see if he picks up his, his, his cards and packs it in. And he didn't. Now, you know? what if you had just shown him the card, like placed down the, uh, the wood foothills, say uh, crack the wood foothills, and flip over the destructive revelry and start searching. <laughs> is that that does imply does that imply that you're casting it? Uh, I don't know. See, I, that I mean, seems more more borderline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely don't want to like represent that you're casting a spell you can't cast. Mm-hmm. You know, because like and because even even when I was talking to him about it, he was like, he's like, no, nothing shady at all about that. You know what I mean? He was like, that was your out. You took it, you know, like so you can show me any cards you want in your hand at any time. Like he's like, there's nothing you did nothing against the rules because I was like genuinely like, like not not like apologetic about it. But I was just kind of like, that's not like totally shady. Right. You know, because he's a, he's a guy I've played with at uh, at Texas Guild Mage's place a lot. So it's not like I can't just talk to him about the, the play after the match, you know. And he was like, no, that's totally not shady. He's like, you just, you know, you had your out. That was your out. So, um, but, you know, he had he had to be on his toes and and say, okay, cast the spell then. And let's do this. <laughs> you know, didn't tap my wooded foothills for green or try to do anything like crazy like that. You know, uh, but I didn't have it. So he got that win. And, uh, and, and good for him because he actually wound up, uh, he wound up making day to it. I think he wound up in the cash, so. Happy for John. Um, next round, I, get, I play against Gabe, and he's playing um, Infect again, and I beat Infect. Uh, Infect was a really good matchup. I would love to play against Infect every round of Modern forever. <laughs> um, While you're playing Burn. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, round five, I play against Todd Stevens. Now, Todd Stevens is playing Grizzlebrand. Grizzlebrand. It's just... Grizzlebrand deck. He's playing that. And I somehow managed to win game one, which I was very happy about. 
And then game two uh, went exactly how Steven and I walked through it. You know, I hadn't ever played against the deck itself before, but we had talked about it, and it was like, you know, if they cast through the breach, if they cast Gorio's Vengeance, what with it on the stack, Skullcrack. Because at that point, they can maybe get one Nourishing Shoal off in response, but they're not going to be able to do multiples. So just you Skullcrack in response, and then they, you know, can't do anything about it. Um, and so that's exactly what I did. I was like, okay, through the, he was like, okay, now I cast this because I'm holding up that, I'm holding up that Skullcrack hardcore. And he, and he, you know, he goes through the breach and I was like, okay, Skullcrack in response and takes him to seven life. And he puts his grizzle brand on the battlefield. And I was like, there it is, you know? So, uh, he couldn't do anything with it. Uh, actually he even did it on defense because I was swinging and I was taking him down low. Um, but, uh, yeah, he did it on defense to kill one of my attackers. But then the next turn, you know, he's at four life at that point. The next turn, he swings in, and I have the deflecting palm to kill him. And so that went very well. That went exactly how we had game planned for that matchup, and I was really excited about that. Um, round six, I played against... Uh, Joseph uh, Dawsett, I'm probably not pronouncing that right, uh, but another Joe. Uh, Joe's playing Tron, and um, Joe's <laughs> Joe's style was very weird. Uh, uh, Caesar, one of the guys we play with at uh, Texas Guild Mages, he plays all of his creatures and things facing you, <laughs> which I thought was really weird. He uh, Joe did the same thing, only... He takes it to an even more extreme where he puts his lands up front facing me and then his other things behind them facing me. So it's almost like I'm playing with my lands to the back. You know what I mean? Like It's like I'm playing his deck with lands to the back. It's, it's a very odd style. And then his tap is really strange. It was just a very strange, like, the mechanics of, of his play were very odd. Uh, but he was a really nice guy. It was his first Grand Prix. And uh, he had his son like over his shoulder watching him play. And I just thought it was a super cool thing. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't beat him. But there are people who I would want to uh, lose to less than him. You know? Because he was there with his son at his first Grand Prix. And I did just really want him to do well. So, um, so, you know, but still, you know, never great to, uh, lose a match that's a favorable matchup for you, but, uh, what can you do? I have a lot of trouble dealing with their planeswalkers, like a lot of trouble. What, Were what? they, do they turn three of them or something? Yeah, pretty much. Mm. Cause yeah. it, well, they can only turn three Karn. Turn three Karn and then Ugin in the next turn. Like, yeah, it was just really bad. Um, I had a lot of trouble dealing with that, honestly. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've never... Uh, I think I've lost to Tron once as a burn player, maybe. <laughs> I don't think I... I'm not even sure if I have. I'm just assuming I have. Yeah. All, all the matches I remember against Tron, I've, I've won. Huh. Well, it uh, didn't go so great. Um, 
but anyway, you know, hope I, I didn't see his final result, but I hope he did well because I w- it was a good story. Uh, now the following round, round seven, I played against Wes Blanchard, who uh, is the guy you lost to in the uh, was it the top quarterfinals? Mm-hmm. Quarterfinals. Oh, he's the guy who beat you and Ryan, right? Yep, and ultimately won the GPT. And, and won the GPT, right? Um, so, uh, uh, Wes was playing a Naya aggro deck that was just super aggro. I mean, Flint Hoof Boar, um, Experiment One, like cards I wasn't even expecting to see, and, uh, pleasantly surprised to see them. Um, cool deck, nice guy, no complaints, listener of the show, you know, uh, but the thing that I love the most <laughs> was our, uh, I think it was our game three, because yeah. I definitely got, I, I got one of the games, but game three, here's our, here's our, here's our game. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll just give you every play of the game, play by play. Here we go. Turn one, he plays a wild Nacatl. I respond with a turn one goblin guide swinging into his wild Nacatl because it's only 2-2. He lets the damage go through. Turn two, he plays a land. He plays a burning tree emissary. And then he uses his uh, red and green mana to play a burning tree emissary. And then he uses his uh, red and green mana from that burning tree emissary uh, to play a burning tree emissary, and uh, and then he uses his red and green mana from that burning tree emissary to play a burning tree emissary, and then he uses <laughs> his red and green mana from that burning tree emissary to play a lightning bolt, killing my goblin guy. <laughs> empty so hand. Tur- He's playing affinity. <laughs> empty hand. Turn two. He's got. 11 power on the board. <laughs> and like, so he swings in with his Nakatl. I take it, obviously. Um, and then I draw my card for the turn. I start like, you know, getting ready to play through it. And then I just like stopped for a second. I was like, man, you just assembled Exodia. You know what? Good games. I was just like, that's it. This is, this is how it ends. Like I'm, I'm cool with this. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight this because there was no fighting it. I was dead in like two turns. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have volcanic fallout in the like in the deck. I didn't bring it in the side in from the sideboard because a lot of their creatures are Tarmogoyf, Flint Hoof Boar, Wild Nakatl. There's just not a lot of things that it's going to kill. So, um, and then plus having to get to three mana, you know, on the draw, it's just not really a realistic thing. So, um, so yeah, so I wound up four and three. Uh, then I did not drop (laughs) (laughs) because, uh, Steven in his, uh, round five, because he started off the day with a bye and then lost three straight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then you showed up to your next round anyway, and your opponent did not. And you got the free Planeswalker points. So I was like, well, maybe I'll get some free Planeswalker points. So my strategy was to show up to round eight 
if my opponent shows up, I can seed to them, and we go get dinner. <laughs> uh, so I show up to my seat. Uh, my opponent, my second Gabe of the day, uh, sits down, and I'm and we're just talking, we're talking, and uh, he's pulling out his stuff, and he's shuffling his deck, and I'm just sitting there with my hands folded at the table, just talking to him, just just letting him do all his business, and 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 just. <laughs> I just kept I just wanted to see how long it would take him to notice that I was not pulling out a magic deck to play cards. <laughs> and I was like, I just wanted to see how long you would take to uh to um notice that I wasn't gonna play. I'm just gonna concede to you. And he said, and I quote, Well, I was just enjoying staring into your beautiful blue eyes. But um anyway. Uh I had to show him my wedding ring, but it's all good. Uh, so, overall, four and four on the weekend, and uh, yeah, so we totally smashed the food game, but we totally got smashed at the GP. Um, Word. Day, yeah, yeah. Sunday, uh, I just want to briefly say that I played my first. Uh, sanctioned match of standard in probably six months and i actually really enjoyed myself because i'm playing blue green devotion this weekend at the wmcq uh which we'll be talking about on next week's show uh because there's not much to talk about right now about that um except that uh, i'm gonna play that you're probably gonna play the mono white devotion uh either mono white or abs in aggro or something really bad that I'll come up with at the last minute. Right on. Um, this deck felt really fun. Um, I played against Mono Red. I did lose. Uh, I lost largely due to my uh, lack of understanding of how to sideboard with my own deck. Uh, Negates should have been in. Silumgar Sorcerers should have been out. And that's where we start. You know what I mean? Like, so... So I know that mistake that I made, and uh, and and know better for for next time. Um, but the deck felt so fun to play. There's just so many different options, and you're playing at instant speed a lot of the time, which is really fun. Uh, just a really cool deck, and um, and looking forward to to playing it this uh, this Saturday, and hopefully surprising a few people because I don't think a lot of people see that deck coming, you know. So, and I, and I think it's, and I think it's actually plenty competitive. Um, so the, so like the fact that it feels competitive and the element of surprise, I think you're going to be good. And plus it's a deck that I am having fun playing and that's important over a long tournament. Uh, just like this tournament, I loved playing the burn deck. You know, my record was not, my record is indicative of the amount of work I put in preparing for the event honestly like i did a little bit of prep uh you know rattling off three wins and constructed at a gp with the amount of prep i put in is accurate uh i don't think i mean i think i could have put in you know about another month worth of practice and uh and made day two because the deck is good like the deck is strong um but I didn't. I didn't have enough experience with it uh, to to navigate a day one. That's okay. What now? <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Something about standard. Something about standard. Uh, but we can move on. Are we done with the GP? You think? Yeah. Okay. So so yeah. Um, Should have played Merfolk. That's that's the lesson I took from <laughs> from GP OKC. Yeah, that's that's what you were saying. Because you were playing like basically Naya. Yeah, I was playing Naya with uh, Abbot of Carol Keep, and then a whole bunch of one drop creatures like Curd Ape and stuff like that, and um, Tarmogoyf for some reason because I thought that. Even though my deck only has lands, creatures, and instants, that 3-4 would be fine in the aggro matchups. And versus control and mid-range, they'd be casting like Inquisition of Kozilek or Serum Visions early on. Right. Um, but instead, I ended up playing against decks like Blue-White Control. <laughs> Blue-White Control. Uh, which is, I mean, it's probably the worst non-combo matchup I could probably have. Um, mm-hmm. Or Boggles, which doesn't really put anything into the graveyard. <laughs> You're just yeah. sitting there with a Tarmogoyf and getting beat with like an 8-8 Daybreak Coronated creature. Oh, no. <laughs> so uh, some of it was bad matchups. Um, uh, a lot of it was uh, a half-baked deck idea that I just didn't have enough time to perfect and didn't have enough time to actually get the uh, Merfolk deck in paper to test in paper to where I'd be actually comfortable playing it. Um, but, uh, I like where, I don't, I don't know if you saw the actual list that pa- Patrick Chapin was running. Uh, the team, the teamer, um, prowess or whatever. Yeah. That's a lot, a much better execution of the habit of Carol keep term yeah. plan. Yeah. Uh, cause he's got things like Mishra's bobble and seal of fire to get artifacts and enchantments. In- oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Into his graveyard. It's pretty cool. Huh? So I, so I actually know now I remember I did see that list and I was wondering what the hell those cards were doing there. But now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he's slightly better at uh, brewing decks than me. Go figure. Hmm. <laughs> slightly. Just slightly. But. 5% at most. We're going to have an opportunity to brew even more decks. That's right. You are going to have an opportunity to brew even more decks. And I'm going to have an opportunity to play a lot of limited um, but, uh, we've got more spoilers. We, we did well last week, uh, in terms of, uh, getting caught up on the spoilers. So we don't have as much to talk about this week, although we have a lot more than Steven would have hoped because I added a bunch of cards. Oh, go for it. Um, but, uh, do you want to read this first one here? Sure. Uh, we talk now. This is first for you. This Oop. is the. There's a new one. It's not great. Oh wait, it's actually good. Well, no, we're gonna we're starting. Okay. Okay. From, ah, yeah, 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 I'm getting distracted. Starting from the bottom. I don't have time to read spoilers. There's new spoilers. Starting um, from the bottom and making no Drake jokes. Thank you, Zada Hedron Grinder. He's uh two. No, he's a three three legendary creature. Goblin ally, and he costs three and a red. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Zada, Hedron Grinder, copy that spell for each other creature you control that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So, I mean, he's cool. He goes in the ally deck because 
uh, in the ally deck, you get a whole bunch of creatures out onto the battlefield. He'll trigger whatever ally abilities some of your other rally cards have. And then if you have any kind of individual pump effects, like a, a Titan strength would be nice, or if, if you really want to live the dream, become immense. Uh, <laughs> get, get, get your whole team giant. Well, the difference is Titan strength is rotating. Or wait, Ooh, was that, no, it's not. Is that in Magic Origins, though? It is in Origins. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So we've got Titan strength. We have become immense. This is this looks fun. This just looks like a fun top of the curve for like a red aggro deck. I think it's. I mean, I don't think it's it's playable whatsoever in standard, but it no? is really cool. And someone will get there. That someone will not be me, despite my love of terrible decks. But think about all the scries. Oh, uh, that I did. I did think about that. I imagined in my mind's eye. Just having four creatures. That's all I'm asking for. Four yeah, creatures. That's not too greedy. Turn two, dragon fodder. Turn three, hordling outburst. Mm -hmm. Turn four, Zada. Turn five, let's say both. Let's say. <laughs> that's true because you're filling your graveyard with the let's token cards. That's Titan not bad. Strength, Titan strength become immense. Turn mm -hmm. five, you've got a bunch of 10 power creatures swinging in. Sure. It's not completely unreasonable. It's, uh, I mean, that, that specific scenario is totally unreasonable to expect, but. No way. You just draw it. I just did the math. You would be swinging for 62 on turn five. <laughs> I think that's enough. I'm not sure, but I have a feeling that's enough. You also get to scry six. Yes. So don't forget that little. Yeah. <laughs> this all sounds good, provided that there is absolutely no disruption to your plan whatsoever. Absolutely not. You tap out for your 3-3, three, three, and I mean, by turn four, nothing kills a 3-3, three, three, and then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, you go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. It's flawless. Um, okay, so uh, I want to read the next one. Smothering Abomination. Smothering Abomination is a 4-3... It is two black and two. It is a creature Eldrazi. This is a rare. It has Devoid. Uh, it has Flying. And then it says, At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. And then it says, Whenever you sacrifice a creature, draw a card. So, I like this. I like this a lot, actually. Um, the one thing I like about this is the fact that drawing cards isn't triggered by the upkeep ability whenever you sacrifice a creature mm -hmm. so that is eldrazi scions um that could this could be in your mardu deck with um with blood-soaked champion and butcher of the horde and you could be sacrificing getting it back sacrificing getting it back and you're drawing cards all the while not saying that's going to be a thing but i'm saying like for instance you know, if you've got a way to keep getting a card back, you can start looping that. Um, but then you got to remember, though, to still keep something around to sacrifice on your upkeep, or you'll be sacrificing this. I mean, you could even sacrifice your Scald Kid. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible common from uh, Dragons of Tarkir. Mm. Or is it Cons? I can't even remember. It's a 2-2 two -two flyer that you pay 2 in red to sack and deal 2 damage. Well, there you go. And then you draw a card off. Mm-hmm. 
So I like that. Um, a 4-3 flyer for four in this set, that seems like an aggro bomb. <laughs> it I seems think... playable in standard. Now, for limited, obviously, fantastic. But yeah. uh, for standard, I mean, we already have uh, Thunderbreak Regent. And if you'll recall, I wasn't. I didn't think that card would see too much play. <laughs> no, you did not. No. Nope. You were not a fan. Um, I'm sure there's... I, anytime a card has, you know, sacrifice a creature or whatever, or sac- you know, or a way to gain value from sacrificing a creature, there's 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 a way to possibly, if the cards are there, create some sort of broken synergy. So it's it's one to keep an eye on. Right on. Um, I think Shrine of the Forsaken Gods is like some of the laziest card naming in Magic history. <laughs> the art is cool, though. It is. The art is very cool. Uh, you want to read me what the card does? Um, sure. It's, uh, land, and you tap it to add one to your mana pool. You can also tap it to add two to your mana pool, so I don't know why you would do the first one. Uh, However, you can only do this to cast colorless spells, and only if you can control seven or more lands. So, Temple of the False Gods. Mm Mm-hmm. Did almost the same thing, only without the colorless spells stipulation and it was five or more right i believe so if you control five or more lands and it was for anything but i think that it didn't have just the add uh the add one or did it no it doesn't okay so so temple of the false god didn't tap for anything until you controlled five or more lands then it tapped for two this, at least, you can tap it for one in the meantime, and then when you get up to seven lands, you can tap it for two. I but why do we have a, a land called Shrine of the Forsaken Gods that deals with this sort of amount of lands on the battlefield stipulation? And then we have a land called Temple of the False Gods. Why the naming duplicate? You know, like, what's up with that? I, I don't know. I think the most interesting part about this card is just the flavor. Just because it's got the art of the like three like human warriors that kind of look like the three Eldrazi titans, and apparently the flavor text is the gods known to the merfolk as Ula, Amiria, and Kosi were nothing more than false memories of a monstrous trinity of the Eldrazi titans, Ulamog, Imrakul, and Kozilek. So basically, merfolk they're trying to say are like Native Americans, where like you know like you read about like their ancient stories about like. Um, like some of the, some of their creation myths like turn out to actually just be like gigantic natural disasters that actually happened near some of the tribes, like uh, some huh. volcano eruptions, like in Alaska and stuff like that. So maybe that's what this is trying to be like, but for merfolk, huh? We're like, I don't know. That's that's that, that is not sanctioned by Watsi at all. That's just me spouting off at the mouth. But it would be cool if uh, if like it turns out the Eldrazi were humans all along, but I don't think that's the case. I think they just forgot. <laughs> and they just thought that the, uh, the thunder was Thor being mad or something. This ain't getting played. You don't think? I don't know. Seven or more lands. That's a lot to ask. It's a lot to ask. What are you getting? So, okay. So now that you have seven lands on the battlefield, this will ramp you by one additional mana to only cast colorless spells. Like, what deck is in the market for that? 
do you so what do you think standard's going to look like in a month do you think it's just going to be green red monsters abzan control esper dragons and like mono red like do, are you thinking that you're like standard's not going to change at all you think that like adding this huge set with all these different cards isn't going to affect the metagame no create new archetypes i i i would assume that there will you almost think certainly rotation be... is going to create new archetypes no i think there will almost certainly be a large eldrazi ramp deck but i can't in in terms of like a theoretical enabler for it this doesn't seem uh very enticing but this also just seems fine. I mean, do you really not think you're going to get to seven lands to cast ten drops? Maybe. I mean, this does... I mean, how the hell else are you going to cast ten drops? This doesn't seem like uh, part of the plan. Sure it does. I guess if, you're, if it was like all colorless um, payoff spells and most of the setup is colorless then this is fine because there's like no no there's no harm to your deck by having this in there but if there's like a lot of color intensive ramp and there's really strong payoff ramp cards then this would just get shoved out the door like this this wouldn't see play today like we have nickthos and that's like a million times better than this this is a different that's a different format exactly i'm just saying nickthos won't be in this format yeah it won't be nickthos was a legendary land this is not that is true you can play three of these, and then when you get your seventh land, these will activate and will add three more mana than you had. Yeah, so that you... doesn't seem that attractive to me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like on on turn seven, it ramps you. That doesn't seem great. Well, who's to say it's on turn seven? Who's to say something like, like Nissa's Pilgrimage doesn't get played? That's true. I, I, I'm, I'm sure there's archetypes that are going to encourage actual land ramp, which we haven't had in the format recently, but I believe we will. Yeah. So, oh, just because the landfall mechanic's coming back? Right. So, possibly. It just, it, it depends on, it's all going to come down to how much of a cost it will be to have this land in your deck. If it's not much, then sure. There's, if there's no cost to having it in your deck, then absolutely, you would. You, you wouldn't mind having eight mana when you would otherwise have seven uh, from your lands. Um, and that's before considering things like Hedron Archive. So if we're, if we're ramping with land and it's not color intensive to get there and there's not a lot of cost to this, then this will get, provide a marginal benefit, which in my mind equals a small percentage potential that'll see play. That's all. Okay. Deathless Behemoth. Uh, Deathless Behemoth is uh, an uncommon. Uh, it's a six-six Eldrazi for six. It has vigilance, and it has sacrifice two Eldrazi Scions. Return Deathless Behemoth from your graveyard to your hand. Activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. Um, this seems like a really great card for uh, for sealed um, and for draft. Uh, if, I mean, especially if you can get the uh, the cards that create the scions. Well, obviously, especially if you can get those. But um, you know, being able to to get a card back from your graveyard without it costing you a card seems really powerful. Mm, I mean, it costs you two scions, which is probably it does, a card. But, but but they're not worth a card. I'd say they're probably. Like, I'd say two scions are probably worth one card, like a very low mana cost card. Okay, still not bad. 
No, I mean, this is fine for limited. It's not going to see constructed play at all. No, of course not. Yeah. Uh, another one that isn't going to see constructed play at all is Tajuru Warcaller. Um, two green and three. Two one elf warrior ally. It's an uncommon and it has rally. Uh, whenever Tajuru Warcaller or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control get plus two, plus two until end of turn. I mean, this is your overrun for the ally deck. Same cost. You know, it doesn't give trample or anything. I didn't notice that. But it also will um, will trigger any if you if you're playing allies. This is also going to trigger all the other ally abilities. Like if you got the one that does double strike, you got double strike. You got the one that does this, you got this. You know what I mean? So you got the one that has lifelink, you have two, plus two plus two and lifelink. So like it's going to trigger all the allies. Are going to go. Oh crap! There's another ally. Let's do our stuff. You know, like and they're all going to like fire. So like. I think this is really good. Um, this is like the top of the curve in the ally deck, uh, and I think that it's going to be a real pain to deal with. Yeah, I think I think this this is a much better, although it's more expensive, Amprin Tactician. Yes, much better. A little little more expensive. Although Amprin Tactician was a three three instead of a two one, but presumably this is in a deck with other allies. Like I think this is. But plus two, plus two is a lot better. And if you have, like, Scions, it can go in, like, a non-ally deck. I think it's fine. Yeah, and um, I like that, um, yeah, the difference between um, Amber and Tactician and this is that Tactician does its thing, and then it's just a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Where this, you follow this up with another ally, and you get that ability again. You know? So it's not just, like, a once-and-done kind of ability. You get it every time you play an ally. Yeah. Starting I, with this I one. feel like if you like trigger this twice you win the game. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, because I mean it's like I have overrun and it's also on the battlefield and if you don't kill it, I have overrun as many times as I want. <laughs> so I don't know. It seems really good. Um Ulamog's nullifier, do you want to read that? Oh sure. It's a uh, two blue black. It's a two three devoid Creature. No, I'm sorry. It's a 2-3 creature Eldrazi processor with Devoid, so it's colorless. It has flash and flying, and when it enters the battlefield, you may put two cards your opponent's own from exile into their owner's graveyards, and if you do, counter target spell. Pretty cool. It's like a Mystic Snake. It's a Mystic Snake. It's a Silumgar Sorcerer, but for just any spell. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it sees play. It, it all depends on what the format looks like, if people are just exiling things. Like, if um, if Delve is really popular, and there's also... Well, what else would... How else would you exile stuff? I don't know. We'd have to see the rest of the set. Mm-hmm. For sure. If it's common, then... If, if it's common where the... This processor payoff, where you put two things from that your opponent owns from exile back into the graveyards is a common occurrence, then this might see play. Mm-hmm. Probably not, but it might. I like it. I think it might. Uh, you know, the fact that you're... I mean, if you're just playing at instant speed anyway, um, I don't know I don't know how you've got ways to exile things f- from them before. I don't know. Hey, yeah, you're right. We'd you're have right. to it see really, the rest of the set, yeah. We'd, we'd have to see the rest of the deck. Yeah. To know if this fits into that deck. Um, 
Royal Spout. Uh, Royal Spout is uh, one blue white. It's a sorcery. It's an uncommon. Put target creature on top of its owner's library, and then it has Awaken Four for four white blue. Um, for those of you who forget, if you pay the Awaken cost, you also put four plus one plus one counters on a land, and it becomes a elemental creature with haste. Um, I think this is really good. Um, mostly for the extra ability. The sorcery speed is sad. That makes me sad. But uh, I always like putting a creature on top of the library, but getting a creature out of it at the same time seems pretty good. Uh, but it's probably not... It's probably strictly worse than Azorius Charm, you know? Azorius Charm did a lot of things. This just does the one thing and is sorcery speed and costs one more for that uh, privilege, I guess. Yeah. So, I don't know. This isn't going to see any play. Mm, probably not. We, I mean, we had, we had time ebb in the format. I don't think Awaken 6 is enough of an upside. Yeah, but if we're putting a 10-8 on top of their library that doesn't have an ETB or a cast trigger... That's unlikely. It might not be bad. <laughs> it's unlikely that thing doesn't have a cast trigger. That's <laughs> true. Grove Rumbler, you did not have on the list, and I actually think that's a major oversight. All right, prove me wrong. I think this card is good, man. Prove me wrong, children. All right, all right. So Grove Rumbler is two red green. It's an elemental. It's a 3-3. Three, three. It's an uncommon. It has Trample. And then it has Landfall. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, Grove Rumbler gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. So this is a 3-3 three, three Trample. Uh, next turn, you play Fetch Land, Fetch, and you've got a 7-7 seven, seven Trampler. I mean, we were kind of like jazzed about the the f attacking with a 5-4 on turn 5 with the one that's uh, the Zendikar's Incarnate or whatever. I mean, now, I'm I'm actually talking about this in an imaginary standard deck, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we like Scythe Le Leopard, but that's a one-drop. Right, but this, I mean, this is seven, I mean, seven, seven trample on turn five is awesome. Like, that's really good. That's, yeah, that is, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, a three, three, you know, three, three is a little fragile to be paying four, four, and then letting it sit for a turn. Yeah. But, but if it survives and you've got a fetch, I mean, you're going to, you're going to bash in for seven and that's awesome. That's really good. You know, people played Juzam Jin. It was a 5-5 five, five for 4, and they took a damage before they could ever attack with it. You know, this, we could make this a 7-7 seven, seven if we wanted. And it's also an elemental, right? It is. So if you have your Omnath Locus of Rage out, when it dies, he'll he'll do 3 damage to target creature or player. Ah! Wow, I didn't even think about that. I was shortcutting it to just when land creatures die, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, you know, got to have something in my janky red-green elemental brute. No, there's not. It's not happening. Right. Well, uh, but you should tell us about your five-color allies deck and its uh, ambush leader. Ha! <laughs> sure will. Okay. Uh, Munda, comma, ambush leader. Two red and white for a three-four legendary oh, creature core ally. Uh, 
He's got haste, though, and he yeah. has rally. Whenever Munda ambush leader, oh my god, or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may look at the top four cards of your library. If you do, reveal any number of ally cards from among them, then put those cards on top of, oh, on top of your library in any order, and the rest on the bottom in any order. Oh, I thought this was a goblin ringleader. No. Oh, man. That would be too good. They wouldn't print ringleader for allies. I thought it was just one time, haste, enter the battlefield, goblin ringleader for allies. But you can set up your next couple turns. You know? No, I am way less interested in this card now. Yeah. I don't want to. No, I don't want to index, but for allies. Well, no, it's not that. It's scrying. Yeah, because you can get rid of stuff. Hmm. So it's 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 essentially scry four. It, yeah, basically, it's 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 ally scry. Al scry. Oh, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't even. Um. Uh. No. No. It's got haste. It triggers all your other allies, and then you're guaranteed to keep the ally train rolling next turn. I think it's cool. It's because that's it's worth the, a try. The thing is, though, like if you're, you I mean, if you're, if you're, like, oh man, all I need to do is draw an ally, and I'll trigger all these abilities and win the game, right? And then you go land. Oh, feel bad, you know. Mm-hmm. But this, you go, I play it. All these ally things trigger, and then you look. And then you go, oh, oh, my next three draws were going to all be lands. You know, you're like, here's that ally. Move it to the top. And then next turn, we keep the party going. I think it's fine. I think it's just fine. I think it's okay. The haste is huge. Um, The fact that, you know, I like what it does. Yeah, you want to you, you want to be drawing an ally every single turn, and this makes sure you do. That, What's wrong with that? Nothing. Uh, it's just a lot less powerful than just drawing <laughs> drawing allies. I guess that'd be too powerful. Draw all the allies. Yeah, you that'd want. be great. I'll yeah, buy Goblin the Ringleader for for allies. Yeah, yeah. Well, so do a lot of people who want cards that are too broken to see play. Oh, Goblin Ringleader's not broken. I'm saying ally ringleader would be broken as hell, though. Possibly. I, Very much. So what I'm – I guess maybe I'm just looking for the wrong cards because previously allies were lower – or at least that saw standard play and I guess now modern play. They were lower casting cost creatures. So I've been I've been on the lookout for aggressive creatures that I can collect a company into in standard. Ah. And so I was looking at this guy and I was like, well, it's not – I've I've been looking for stuff that costs one, two, and maybe three, and we're we're not getting that so far, at least. Um, right. And the other problem is that the four drop slot's going to be kind of crowded because if you're not running Collected Company, you're going to be running Gideon because he just triggers allies, whatever rally every turn. Yep. And it's going to be really hard to displace him. This guy's not going to displace him from the four drop slot. It would have to be in addition to after you have your four Gideons. Well, what this do you is also. Do? A- this is also a legend. Yeah. So you probably want to play like two of these. Yeah, because Gideon, at least, you just minus four him if you have an extra. Right. 
Right. Wow, that's actually wow. You're right. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, that's the problem. <laughs> like, like I'm not interested in four drop allies to be honest. Wow, you just minus four Gideon and then you play another Gideon. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, and then he spit now that new that that new Gideon spits out a three three. Uh huh. Ah. Oh. That's beautiful. So good. That card's so good. Uh, maybe they can't print a bunch of broken low cost allies. Like that deck might be. It probably wouldn't be too good, but it'd be really good. So, but we'll see. I'm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. And I think we have a few. What do we got? Herald of Kozilek. Well, no. I want to talk about Skyrider Elf. Sure. We can talk about some low casting cost allies here. Yeah. Okay. Sure. If that's what you think it is. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh my God! No, Skyrider Elf is actually really good. <laughs> I thought we were supposed to disagree here. No, 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 no. See, my bad. My friggin' bad. Because I was looking at Skyrider Elf and thinking that X had to have the colors of mana. Oh no. That's why I was like, why is this not? Why is this not just Nimbus Swimmer? Because what do you have to do? Pay five mana for a three-three? No. Nope. You just pay a blue and a green. And you've got a 2-2 flyer. 2-2 flying ally. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And then the X is just bonus. See, I didn't even realize that. I'm so not used to, like, that sort of thing just being bonus, you know? Yeah, it kind of speaks to how weird the converge mechanic is. It's very weird. It's not super intuitive at all. No, it's not. I, th- I feel like there are different ways they could have designed it. <laughs> well... Uh, this is uh, this is a really good card. Yeah. Oswald agrees. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm in agreement. It's one of the few low-drop allies they've managed to put out there. Um, yeah. And it also scales well. Yeah, it scales great. It's fantastic. Now, okay, so we agree. This Do you, what, do you think it's possible to see standard play? If there's an ally deck in standard and it's like five colors or something like that yeah oh yeah yeah definitely yeah it would have to be multiple colors i green and blue weren't high on the list for (laughs) what i thought they would be so um i was thinking either red white or naya colors maybe but uh, i mean who knows it's all it's all five colors and the mana might be there where it doesn't matter yeah so okay yeah agree skyrider elf possible player yeah, that's really good. Uh, Resolute Blademaster, you want to read that? that? That's one right up your alley. That's a five drop. Oh, that's yeah, a... thanks, Wizards. Appreciate you guys. But the ability, man, holy crap. That, yeah, it's three red-white for a 2-2 creature human soldier ally. It's uh, got rally, and whenever it or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control gain double strike until end of turn. So... Creatures you control gain double strike until end of turn for five mana. Yeah. That's sick. Like, this just goes... I mean, this doesn't doesn't matter if you're playing an ally deck. Like, this just goes in your deck. You just play it. Oh, limited. Yeah, I'm, well, yeah, man. Hell yeah. I was, I was wondering if it sees any playing standard as, like, a one-of. It could be the top of the ally deck curve, sure. I can see that. Yeah, probably not. I mean, or, almost or certainly saying, not. But or are you saying just like maybe like a Jeskai aggro deck with just this at the top of the curve? Uh, maybe. Mantis Riders. 
I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to give your Mantis Riders double strike. Thunderbreak Regent. And then you drop this bad boy. And you kill things like your opponent. Well, I mean, you curve your Groove Rumbler. Grove, Groove Rumbler would be much better. Grove Rumbler into this guy. What the hell is a Grove Rumbler? You were the one defending this card. Two red, green, four. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. now he's a 7-7, seven, seven, double striking. Yeah, you Grove Rumbler. Yeah, Sampler. oh, man. You Grove Rumbler, and then you fetch. Mm-hmm. And then you use that fifth mana to cast this, and then you swing for 14. Yeah. That's a, I think that's something any human can get behind. <laughs> and they're both uncommons. You could, you could do this in limited. You could totally do this in limited. This is something I aspire to do. Oh, wait. Limited. There's no fetch lands in limited. What am I talking about? No, there aren't. Unless you open one of the expeditions. <laughs> but you still... You still get to swing with a 5-5 double striker in limited, and there's nothing wrong with that either. Just a 5-5 double striking trampler. And that's in addition to any other creatures you might have kicking around on the battlefield. No, 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 no. I mean, it's... Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good effect in limited. I don't need to be sold on that. No, but I can see it in standard, too. I mean, think about, like, following up uh, playing a Butcher of the Horde with this. That's not bad. Yeah. You play this, you get the double strike, and then you sacrifice it to give the damn thing lifelink. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not happening, but it still would be nice. I think I think it's good. I think I think I think you're right. I think you could see play. Um you go with a 5% chance. Eh, I'd say uh 40%. Saying there's a chance. Yes, I am. All right. Uh, Draina's Emissary. Draina's Emissary is a 2-2 vampire cleric ally uh, for one white black. And it is an uncommon. It has flying. And at the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. I like this. You like this? Yeah, it's getting closer. It says vampire on it. Ha! I do, I, I do want to... Uh, I am partial to the vampire tribe outside of Cube. And uh, I'm partial yeah. to allies, especially low drop ones. And this is a lower dropped one than than we've seen thus far, other than Skyrider Elf. The fact that it's... You know, it has flying. Mm-hmm. Um... If it's not dealt with, uh, it has a little extra damage that it's getting in, and plus it's affected by all of the ally triggers. You know, it has all all the rally triggers affect this. So I think this could be a really good role player. You know, I think that like you'll you'll play the crap out of this. You know, um, limited like yes, it. standard uh, maybe a thirty percent chance. I mean, who knows what the deck's gonna look like yet? We don't have all the all the cards. Yeah, I'm I'm anxiously waiting. Yeah, because it's it, it's really up to uh, the developers as to whether allies is actually gonna be a deck in standard. So, I mean, if the cards are there, then they're there. If they're not, they're not. Right, right. 
And you got to remember, we've got one of the two sets, so true. There could be more coming in the next set as well. Uh, read Herald of Kozilek. Sure. Uh, it's one blue red. It's a two four creature Eldrazi drone. It has devoid and colorless spells. You cast cost one ma- uh, one colorless mana less to cast. Solid. Yeah, it's the right price. It's got the same power toughness stats as Course of Crucifix, and it's not legendary, so they stack. So, yeah, it's interesting. It is. A, it is a ramp spell. Nothing wrong with that. It's a weird ramp spell. Right, but this is a weird set. You know, so we traditionally can... weirds in Magic have been red and blue creatures. And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it fits right in there. And that's the dude in Los Angeles. We got a Philidar Sovereign reprint. Oh, boy. At, at rare, no less. It was a Mythic Rare in Zendikar. It is a rare in Battle for Zendikar. Felidar Sovereign is, for those of you who don't know, it's two white and four. It's a four-six cat beast. Mary is happy. It has Vigilance and Lifelink. And at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 40 or more life, you win the game. So there you go. Huzzah. That's a thing. Run this plus feed the clans. And yeah. (laughs) Now, you didn't put Catacomb Sifter on here. I'd like to know why. Yeah, I didn't. Because... I don't know. Alright, I'm gonna read it then. I kinda just looked at it and went, meh, it's whatever. Alright, Catacomb Sifter is one colorless, a black and a green, for a 2-3 creature Eldrazi drone. It has Devoid. And when it enters the battlefield, you put a 1-1 colorless Eldrazi sign creature onto the battlefield. And whenever another creature you control dies, period, scry one. Comma. Ah, Crap, you're right. <laughs> this card's garbage. Made me look like a fool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm not super impressed with it. I like it. It's a, So it's a 3-4 three, for 3, which is pretty good. It it seems like it could have a place maybe in Abzan, where it's just it's just gumming up the ground, which is what Corsair of Crufix did, and provides a little bit of marginal card advantage, which is what Corsair of Crufix did. And it provides you a little bit of ramp, which is what Corsair of Crufix did. So what I'm saying is this is the new Corsair of Crufix. There you go. It's in abs get and your, colors. Get your catacomb sifters. <laughs> I, I think this has a higher... The, oh, gosh, that's going to sound really stupid because it probably won't see play because most cards don't see play, but I, I want to say at least 50% chance to see play in standard. Okay. I think it's a nice quasi-Corsair of Crufix replacement. I mean, you can you can chain this right into a siege rhino, and you've got a bunch of things that are not fairly costed. You know, I guess I guess it makes sense. Yeah, it's just marginal value, which is what Abzan's all about. Here's a card that you wanted to skip, I think, because you're just like not even feeling like wrapping your head around it. Sure, I don't. Um, <laughs> Void Winnower. This is this is the strangest card. 
This might be the strangest magic card I've seen in a long time. Um, because it cares about something that no other magic card has cared about. It's a really odd card. This is an odd duck. Uh, Void Winnower, I almost just called it Odd Duck. Odd Duck costs 9. It's an 11-9. It's a Mythic Rare. It's a creature. Mallard Eldrazi. It says, uh, much like an Odd Duck would, your opponents can't cast spells with even converted mana costs. And then, to help the mathematically challenged, in parentheses, it says, zero is even. And then, it says, your opponents can't block with creatures with even converted mana costs. So, my favorite thing about this card is what Jeff Foster said on Facebook. Uh, And I think a lot of people made the joke, too. But I saw it from Jeff Foster first was this is a Magic the Gathering card that turns your opponent into a teenage girl because your opponent can't even. And I thought that was really funny. So I like it. What the hell is this card? What is this? Can't cast even costed... I mean, (sighs) what do we do? (laughs) I'm sorry, no one's casting this card. What do we do, uh, Steven? You missed it. I was on mute. I, I played a little sound clip of, a, of crickets chirping. But I guess it was effectively the same thing, my silence. What do we do? You don't cast it. That's what you do. <laughs> and don't put it in your deck. And you don't, totally don't talk about this. it. Don't make jokes about it. This is the Fight Club of Magic the Gathering cards. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So, His uh, name was Void Winnower. <laughs> okay, read a, a card that's actually objectively awesome and we'll see tons of play. All right, Green Warden of Murasa. Uh, it's four and a green and another green. So it's six converted mana cost. It's a 5-4. It's a creature, Elemental. And when Green Warden of Musara enters the battlefield, you may return target card from your graveyard to your hand. And when Green Warden of Musara dies, you may exile it if you do return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So it's just a super eternal witness. Yeah. So (laughs) they were like, I guess, you know, with Din Protector, there's not enough graveyard value synergies going on in green. Let's just give him a little bit more. Right. Ken Nagel still works at Watsy. <laughs> now, what's the what's the there's a similar card that's currently like standard legal that's not seeing any play that searches up a three mana cost creature card and puts it into play. It's kind of similar to this. Woodland Bellower. Yeah. Which, is that what it's called? It is. The... That is. Yeah, you got it. Nice. And that's uh slightly better stats, but Maybe not as much card value or card advantage. It's very specific. True. It's like non-legendary green creature card. This says, put target card back in your freaking hand. And when it dies, do it again. It seems, seems really good. You're not going to outgrind a, 
an opponent that's casting this kind of card. So maybe put it in your Soul Tide deck. I don't. It would be awesome if you could put this back in your hand. That's why you got to exile it, because then it's a loop. Oh, it exile. Oh, you exile it. Yeah, because it, oh, if it dies, yes. you could just get it, and just that would be so annoying. Yeah, that would be annoying. Here's a card that I'm just uh, amazed by: Aligned Hedron Network. This card is amazing. This card costs four. It's an artifact. When Aligned Hedron Network enters the battlefield, exile all creatures with power five or greater until Aligned Hedron Network leaves the battlefield. So, that's a sad face, Mr. Eldrazi deck. This should be the top of the ally deck curve. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't see it. People, I mean, people smarter than me are saying this is playable, and I just don't see it. I think it's plenty playable. Uh, it's well, it's power five or greater. That's kind of weird. Um, it takes out. Uh, so, oh, so make sure, wait, wait, make sure it's to power. Yeah, so do make sure to cast this first before playing your land. Otherwise, it'll exile your groove rumbler. Oh yeah. Huh. Definitely got to take that into consideration. You do indeed. Uh, no, I don't think this does enough to see play, and I barely think it's like has a chance as a sideboard card. Um, I mean, you you just you just play Stasis Snare. Yeah, but why don't you play Stasis Snare on everything? Yeah, but like, so for this to be much better than Stasis Snare, it <laughs> you have to be exiling multiple things. With, I mean, what what kind of place are you at where? You're playing against the Eldrazi deck, and they've got multiple big creatures that they've cast and gotten some crazy effect on. We're like, ah, but like where you're just not your 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 board state's not totally decimated yet, because it's like, up oh, exiled your Atarka for you know some amount of time. And it's like, well, it still did its damage. I don't know. I don't see it. I don't know. I like it. I think it's good. But I can see I can see your logic for sure. I like Stasis Snare a lot more than Allies deck. Yeah, I I agree with that a hundred percent. Okay. Shambling vent. Nah. Well, it's just boring. It's so good. It's just too good. You think it's really good? Oh yeah. Are you kidding? I don't think it's that good. I mean, it's not. It's not the best manland they've ever printed, but that that's a really high bar. Yeah, it's true. I mean, come on. This this would be seeing play right now for the standard legal. Two three. With lifelink, mm -hmm. it's not exciting. No, that's not an exciting creature. You wouldn't put that creature in your deck, but you don't have to. You could just slot this into Temple of Silence's place in the Abzan deck and move along and get your yeah. value that way. I guess that's fantastic. I don't love it. This is this is like a hundred percent to see standard play. Like you know that this is going to obviously see play. Yeah, 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 totally. It's too much value for free. No, it'll see play. I'm not. I'm not denying that. I'm just not excited about its stats. That's all. Oh sure. I mean, yeah, it's not a raging ravine. <laughs> it's more. It's much similar to the green white one, where instead of reach, it has lifelink, and I'd probably rather have the lifelink. So it's it's on what stirring wildwood or whatever that's called. It's on par with that, and that was a fine card. And it was playable in its time.
Yeah, Wildwood. Yeah, Wildwood was good. Yeah, this is that, but maybe a little better. Cool. So we've got a little bit more on the spoiler front. Uh, we got up to the spoilers from September 10th, but I've had enough for this week. I mean, I'm just really tired. It's been a long day. Um, so we're going to call it a night here at YoMTG Taps. Uh, but next week, we will be talking about the World Magic Cup qualifier um, and we'll be talking about the full spoiler, which will be up by then. I'm looking forward to talking about standard <laughs> for the first time in a while. Yeah, me too. Totally. No, I'm looking forward to talking about standard once and then moving the hell on for a long time. <laughs> that's that's what's up. <laughs> but we'll have a standard event to talk about, which is cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's all we have for this week. Until next time, we are YoMTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, the album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yeah, yeah, we're on to the next one. Yeah, yeah, the album's already done. Yeah, yeah, collect the funds before we do these shows. Gotta go on the press run. Yo, the rhyme pays more eyes once I ride through the doors. Yo, MTG Taps is available every Friday on LegitMTG.com, IWantMyMTG.com, MTGCast.com, iTunes, Stitcher, BrainLink, Telegraph, and via Passenger Pigeon at PigeonCast.com. Questions, comments, or free sticker requests that I will hopefully one day get around to can be sent to YoMTGTaps at gmail.com. The intro music is the song Press Run by the amazing Baltimore MC You'll Never Know and is produced by W. Additional background music produced by Logic Marsalis. Purchase all of their music at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. That's magnetic with a K. Seriously, purchase all of their music. Find us on Twitter and Facebook to guarantee infinite happiness forever. Finally, make sure to check out my weekly limited stream, Head Games with Big Head Joe, every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash legitmtg. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.